morning, church. The scripture reading for today's uh, sermon is from 1 Peter 2, verse 4 through 8. 1 Peter 2, verse 4 through 8. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. And as I was meditating upon this uh, passage of scripture uh, this morning and the scriptures that's coming up in the next couple of, of weeks here, I thought about the movie The Help. Most of us have seen the movie The Help, have we not? A movie that came out a few years ago. If you like my wife, you not only read the book, but you've seen the movie more times than I can remember. Um... In the movie, there is this black domestic worker and this nanny named, named Abilene. And Abilene um, cares for this little white girl named Mo, uh, Mae Mobley. And this little white girl's mother is, you know, she's rather distracted and she's kind of dismissive towards the little girl. And so often, in order to counter this, Abilene takes this little girl into her lap and she says, you remember what she says, right? You is kind, you is smart, and you is important. You is kind, you is smart, you is important. Building confidence, beloved, in children is important, no doubt. And instilling a sense of esteem and self-worth and respect is good. The only thing that we need to always remember is that the world tends to make an idol out of self. And because it makes an idol out of self, it makes a gospel out of self-esteem. But I want to suggest to you this morning that more important than self-esteem is Christ-esteem. Our growth and our maturity in this life is based upon us knowing who we are Indeed, our identity in Christ. John Calvin begins his Institutes of the Christian Religion by reminding us that knowledge of self begins with knowledge of God. 
and that you will never truly know yourself apart from knowing who God is. And therefore, therefore, beloved, it is not self-esteem that we preach, but God-esteem. And we seek to lift high the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, the revelation of God, because as we know God, so we truly come to know ourselves. More important than self-esteem, indeed, is Christ-esteem. I heard somebody recently tell a young man that you need to become more comfortable in your own skin. Well, when the world tells you that, beloved, really what the world is really saying is that you need to become more comfortable with your sin. That you need to accept your sin, that you need to accept your waywardness, that you need to accept your rebellion and just be cool with it. I don't need more confidence in myself. I need more confidence in Christ. You and I are who we are, beloved, because of who Christ is. And so I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning in Christ. Because I don't think we really, really grasp just how important Christ is to us understanding who we are in this world. Absolutely essential. Absolutely essential. And so this morning, I am not here to build your self-esteem. This morning, I want to build Christ's esteem. I want to make Christ great because if we make Christ great and we understand then that we are in Christ, that's where our confidence comes. That's where our esteem comes. When Christ is exalted and I am in Christ and I live my life, I hold my head high, not because of who I am, but I hold my head high because I am in Christ. I walk, confident, I walk confidently in the world, not because of what I can do. I walk confidently in the world because of what Christ has done and who he is, and I am in him. I really don't, I really don't think we get what it means for us to really be in Christ. And that's why we fall prey to all these self-esteem gurus. Because we, we, we get convinced like the world is that it's all about self. But actually, it's about Christ. It's about Christ. Therefore, therefore I'm, not, I'm not after you to tell me how good I am because I am 
focusing on how great Christ is, and I am in Christ. And I'm good. Because I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. And so I want to encourage you this morning in Christ. I want to build Christ's esteem with you. I think this is what our text is beginning to do for us this morning. True, true, beloved. The Christian life is not easy. I, I get that. It is not easy. It's not easy for us. You have to believe and understand that it was not easy for the original hearers of this message. Life was tough for them. They were on the run. They were being persecuted. They were losing possessions and loved ones. They were suffering loss on every hand. And you know what? And you know what the Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does? Well, let's talk about what he doesn't do. The first thing he doesn't do is he doesn't send them a motivational speech. He doesn't seek to build their self-esteem. Rather, rather, he seeks to build up the Christ esteem in them. He points them to Jesus. He says, remember now, remember now who you come to. This is the one that you are coming to. This is the one who has you. Remember, the Bible wants to do the same for us this morning. And so this morning, rather than saying, you is kind and you is smart and you is important, I want to say to you this morning, that you is chosen by God in Christ. I want to say to you this morning that you is being built up in Christ. I want to say to you this morning that you is forever established in Christ. So if you just excuse my English this morning, I hope you get the point. And the first one is this, beloved. You is chosen by God in Christ. Chosen by God in Christ. Look at verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Peter was Peter has been talking all this time so far in this epistle about who we are in Christ and all that Christ has done for our sake. And he knows. And so he says, remember. Remember who Jesus is. And this is very important. He wants to remind them. This is very important so that you can know who you are. Remember the one to whom we have come. Christ is a living stone. 
Christ is alive. He is active. He is not some idol that is fashioned by human hands out of a lifeless rock or a lifeless brick, but he is living. And therefore, beloved, we always speak of Jesus in the present tense. We always speak of Jesus as is. Jesus is. Muhammad was. Buddha was. Confucius was. Bob Marley was. Tupac was. Jesus is. Is. He is a living stone. He is that foundation of life. He is the stone to build your life upon. He is the rock, that living slab. You understand what I'm saying? That living slab of concrete upon which you build the structure of your home. That slab is alive. That foundation is active and living. And yet, this living stone, this precious stone, the Bible says, was rejected by the world. And yet, Chosen by God. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2 and 3 reads, He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Nothing of which this world finds valuable did they look at Jesus and say, I want him. And because the world esteem such lowly things as most precious and most valuable, the Bible says that they, therefore, rejected Christ. Therefore, he was despised, the Bible says, and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. And notice what it says. And he was held in low esteem. Despised by the world. And yet our text says, this one that the world rejected, that the world did not esteem, God chose him. 
And this is important to remember, beloved. That Jesus, the one that the world rejected, God chose, and then you is chosen by God in him. You chosen in Christ. This is important to remember because as we've said before and we'll say again and again, God doesn't have any accidental children. He doesn't just happen to pick up a rock and put it in his house. There are no leftover stones or bricks Christ was chosen, and all those in Christ are chosen as well. Now, before you begin to get the big head because you're chosen in Christ, you have to remember that there is really nothing that was choosable in you. That you were not chosen because you were so choosable, and you should not get that twisted, even though we often do. As we often live our lives, and we often go about our business as if God is privileged to have chosen us. And this is why most of the time that we complain, and that we, that we groan, and that we moan, because we believe in our hearts of heart, though we would never say it with our mouths, that it was a privilege for God to choose me. But the thing that you and I have to remember, beloved, is that God didn't choose you or choose me because there was anything particularly choosable about us. That God has never chosen the people because they were eminently choosable. Deuteronomy chapter 7, speaking of his choice of Israel, beginning in verse 6, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasure possessions out of the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And it was not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord set his affections on you and chose you. In fact, you were the fewest of all the peoples. In fact, if God was looking for someone who would actually be useful, he would not have chosen you. If he was looking for somebody who could actually accomplish the work that he needs to be accomplished, he actually would not have chosen you upon first glance. God says, I need an army to accomplish my will upon the earth. And if I am looking for an army, Israel would be the last nation I would choose. And yet, this is his choice. Not because they were eminently choosable, but because of who he is. And to us, he says the same thing in 1 Corinthians, right? Chapter 1, verse 26 and then 27. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But what did God choose? What is foolish in the world? Shame the wise. God chose 
what is weak in the world to shame the strong? I don't know if you ever thought about that. You read that again. You're chosen by God, and the Bible says he chose the foolish. Excuse me? Did you really mean that, Lord? Chosen by God, and God says, I chose the foolish. I chose the weak. Because God delights to use the useless to profit from. He delights to use the unprofitable. He delights to exalt the humble. He delights to give strength to the weak. God chose you in Christ. Weak, foolish, undesirable, unprofitable, and yet he set his affection upon you and me. When I read that, beloved, it reminds me, right, of why oftentimes I feel like I don't belong. You ever feel that way? I feel that way around my family at times. You know, we gather around my family and I just feel like I don't belong. And it's a, it's a, it's a hurtful feeling at, at times. It is an estranging feeling at times. And so do you ever feel like you are a stranger? Do you ever feel like you are a foreigner? Well, I want to suggest to you this morning as we build Christ's esteem, don't be afraid to be strange. Don't fear not fitting in. Don't be afraid of not belonging in this world because as you sit there understanding that you feel like you don't belong, that is because, beloved, you belong to Christ. And he was rejected and despised of men. And you and I in him will be as well. Sometimes it will seem like in this world that the world does not esteem us much. You and I need to know that though the world does not esteem us as much, we have been chosen by God in Christ. And as God esteems Christ, so now God esteems you. By Christ, you are chosen. And then, because you are chosen in Christ, that which is unprecious to the world is precious in his sight. This is our security, beloved. This is the basis of our eternal hope. I hope you understand that. This is the basis. 
This is the foundation upon which you live the Christian life and you can faithfully go about your worship and praise of God because you are confident that you have been chosen in Christ. And God didn't choose you to lose you. If he chose you, you're his. Despite the ups and the downs, despite the bumps, despite the mountain peaks and the valleys, you belong to him. You is chosen by God in Christ. How's that for esteem, beloved? How's that for esteem? Not only are you chosen by God in Christ, the Bible here also says that you is being built up in Christ. Being built up in Christ. We see that in verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Like Christ, like Christ then, like Christ, we are now in Christ, living stones. We are alive. And we are chosen by God to be alive in Christ. And stone by stone, brick by brick, Christ is building a grand and glorious house of worship to God. And you and I, we are that house. It's a house of worship. That's the picture. That's the picture here. In the picture of a household, beloved, and it is a familiar one in Scripture that God's people are referred to as the household of God. And that each one of us is an intricate part in his building that house. And if there is one brick that he has chosen that is not in that house, that house would not be complete. This is the household of God. This is who we are. This is who the people of God are. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 7. The Bible says, Moses is called the servant of God, and he is said that he is a servant of God who was faithful in all God's house. That's who. That's who. That's who the people of God are. It's the house of God. And God is building that house. In Hebrews chapter 3 and beginning in verse 5, we see the full revelation of that house that God is building where it says, but now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify of things that were yet to be spoken later. And that is the full revelation of whose house this really is and who all is in this house. Christ. It's faithful over God's house as a son. And what does it say? And we are his house. That's it. That's it. 
the house that was God was building with Moses and the Israelites, the full revelation of that house is the house over which Christ is Lord, and you and I, we are that house. And this is the house of worship. Christ is building the house of God for worship. And every dead stone he makes alive. And he makes that dead stone a living stone so that now that living stone would give praise and glory to God. He saved you for worship. That's why you were redeemed. That's why you're here this morning. That becomes the basis of your esteem. God redeemed you so that you would worship him. You're a worshiper of God. So your life has purpose. Your life has purpose. And you don't have to go out in the world and the world trying to tell you all the different purposes you need to find for your life. You tell them, I have a purpose. I have been redeemed for the worship of God Almighty. That's my purpose. Every day of my life. I got one goal, and that is to glorify Christ and to worship him. That is my purpose, beloved worship. God saved you for a purpose. God saved you with a plan, and the plan was worship, your voice, your service, your life is important. You is important. Not because the nanny said so. You is important because God redeemed you in building his house of worship. And every rock and every stone is important. Your voice is important. Your service is important. Your life is important for the building up of the household of God. And Christ, beloved, is not going to stop building until every brick is in place. How low, how low we live, beloved, when we go to the world and they and try to find out how they can build our esteem. When I've been told right here that I am a living stone in Christ, part of a household of God for the worship of the Creator God Almighty. You are being built up in Christ. You are being built up for worship. But not any, not any old kind of worship. But the Bible here tells us the type of worship that our Lord is talking about. You know, he gives us at least three elements to that household. How you know it? The 
first thing is that it's a holy worship, isn't it? It's holy. It says you are a holy priesthood. Holiness means to be set apart for relationship with God. Touched by God for a reason. As God has set you apart for a reason, for a purpose, and therefore it is not to, to be mixed or compromised. There is no syncretism here. But that which God is building, is, he is building for God and God only. And therefore, beloved, in this house, in your life, God doesn't share the stage with anyone. You're set apart for him. You belong to him. You're holy. You're not just holy. He says spiritual. You're spiritual. Right? Spiritual. You are there offering spiritual sacrifices in this spiritual building, meaning that is not carnal, <clears throat> it's not according to the flesh, <clears throat> it is not making much of my own tendencies for glory and acclaim. That's what happens, beloved. This, this, this is why. This is really what separates true worship from false worship. This is what separates biblical worship and Christ-honoring worship from false worship, and that is a worship that is truly spiritual where it is not playing upon my tendencies to want to receive applause or want to receive acclaim. But it is that which is seeking first and foremost out of all sincerity and heart and soul to make much of Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus said in John chapter 4, right, in verse 24, he reminds us that the true worshipers of God worship him in the spirit. Okay? That is, the true worshipers of God understand that what's most important in worship is not what is seen, but what is not seen. Okay? Now, I get it. We make much of what is seen. Okay? But what's most important in worship is not that which we see, but what most, what's most important is what God sees. God looks upon hearts of men and women. And just because, beloved, men and women applaud does not mean God applauds. And this is why we must understand that just because men and women don't applaud doesn't mean that God's not applauding. And therefore, my esteem does not rest upon your applause. It's the applause of heaven. And therefore, my worship, beloved, is really an audience of one. I just want to hear the Lord say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Well done. 
That's the essence of this house that you are being built up and a part of, beloved. It is a holy house. It is a holy worship done by holy priests. It is a spiritual house where we are offering spiritual sacrifices. You know, when that woman came before Jesus and she offered her one little cent in the offering, nobody around her applauded because they considered worship for what you see. But Jesus and all of heaven applauded because more important than what you see is what God sees. And God looks upon the heart. He knows our motivations. He knows why we do what we do. He knows why we give what we give and why we don't. And that is real spiritual, true spiritual worship. Holy, spiritual, and lastly, says this house that is holy priesthood offering these spiritual offerings in a spiritual place. It means nothing, nothing except that it is through Jesus. Through Jesus. Worship may be holy, beloved. And that when I say it may be holy, that means it may be set apart. It may be nothing like you see in all the world. It may be set apart. <clears throat> Worship may also be spiritual, and that is, it may be selfless, that you are giving and you are serving selflessly, but the most important element of all of that is that it must be and it has to be offered up through and in the name of Jesus. These are the only sacrifices acceptable to God. Isn't that what the text says? Offering up these <coughs> spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. How? Through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. If it's not through Jesus, it is useless. It is futile. Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you die, and that is it. The only way that worship has any eternal value and significance is that it is offered up through Jesus. Why? Because there is no other name. Acts chapter 4 and verse 11 and verse 12. This Jesus is the stone, as, as a reference again, right? The stone that was rejected by you, the builders. That you looked upon him and he was of no esteem in your eyes. He was not worthy of your attention. He was not worthy of your applause. But this Jesus, whom you rejected, has become the cornerstone, that living slab. And now, there is salvation nowhere else. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name but Jesus. 
And not only is there no other name, beloved, there is no other way. There is no other way. This is why our worship has to be up and through and to him. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said unequivocally, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one. Beloved, that's an absolute negative right there. No one, no one, not someone. No one comes. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't get any more narrow than that. No other name, no other way, because there is no other Savior. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. One, 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 one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. This is why our worship must be in him. This is why our worship must be through him, because God isn't accepting worship any other way. And any other type of worship, any other worship, beloved, the Bible refers to as Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 1 as strange fire, foreign to God, unknown to him, unauthorized. For those of us in the household of God, we are holy. We are in a spiritual house that is offering up spiritual sacrifices, and these are acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So that means, beloved, that means that your worship and your life is not futile, it is not vanity of vanities, but it has eternal significance. Because you is being built up in Christ. That's where your esteem comes from. That is the foundation of your esteem. That you is chosen in Christ. That you are being built up in Christ. And that you is forever established in Christ. We see this in verses 6 through 8 here. God has established Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, the cornerstone of his spiritual house, of his acceptable worship, right? And since you are in Christ, in that house, you are an indispensable stone in that house. Did you hear what I said? You are an indispensable stone in that house. Because God isn't losing you. He isn't losing you. He has ordained that you would be a stone in that house. And if God has ordained you as a stone in, your, in that house, then you are an indispensable stone. Because God is not wasting his time in what he ordained. 
You are an indispensable stone in that house. And since you are an indispensable stone in that house, you can be unshaken. You can live unshaken. Verse 6, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. We know a stone is Christ, right? that cornerstone, chosen and precious. That's Christ. You and I in him. And know what the Bible says. And whoever, is, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. are not shaken. So the world collapse and the walls come tumbling down. Your heart and my heart remain unmoved because your house is built upon that rock. You can be unshaken. You can be unshaken. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said this, right? Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But that house did not fall because it was founded upon the rock. And you need not be ashamed, beloved. In this world, or when the Lord returns, because your life, your home, built upon him. And therefore you will have no need to wonder if it is well with your soul. Because your life is built upon that rock. You will not need to wonder or guess whether or not your name is on the roll. Because your life is built upon that rock. Believe in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Trust in the rock of your salvation, beloved. You will be unshaken and you will be unfailing because you will have conquered unbelief. This is the reason you are established in Christ. So that you would conquer unbelief. This, this, this really is the source, should be the source of the Christian esteem. Your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because, beloved, that is not an accident. That is ordained by God. And he has chosen you to believe in Jesus.
And all the worlds may come and all the worlds may go. But if God has ordained that, that is not dangerous. And that becomes the source of my comfort, the source of my hope, the source of my joy in the midst of an unbelieving world. Why? Because unbelief is all around us, beloved. Unbelief is the sin that sends men and women into eternal damnation. It is unbelief. Men and women are lost, beloved, not because they are sexually immoral, not because they are murderers, not because they're thieves or liars. Men and women are lost because they refuse to believe and trust in Jesus. And the temptation to unbelief, beloved, is all around us. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't let it distract you. Don't let it discourage you. Don't let it frustrate you. Why? Because unbelief doesn't frustrate God. He's not frustrated by it. And when you run up against it, don't allow the unbelief words and actions of men and women in this world to tear down your esteem in Christ. You can remain confident and comfortable in Jesus because God has ordained your belief just as, beloved, he has also ordained unbelief. That's why I can be confident in him. And when I run up against unbelief, I can look and I am not shaken. And nor do I fail. Why? Because I know what it says in verse 8. There is a stone of stumbling and rock of offense. And those who are offended and those who stumble, beloved, the Bible says they do so according to the plan of God. Now, I can't explain all that. I am not privy to the eternal counsels of God. But I know that there is a stone of stumbling and there is a rock of offense that I seek to build my house upon, but others, when they see it, fall and stumble over, and God has ordained both of those. We need to understand that the gospel we proclaim is going to be offensive to some. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18 and, and following all throughout the rest of the chapter reminds us of that, beloved. True, the gospel that we proclaim is going to be offensive to some. Now, 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 beloved, we don't want to be offensive. 
which is why you make sure that you have a mint or you brush your teeth or something when you're talking to people about the gospel. You don't want yourself. You don't want to be the offense. Because if the gospel is proclaimed and Christ is exalted and the cross is made known, that will be offense enough. And you and I, we're going to feel it. We're going to feel it. And so it is not our aim to be offensive. In fact, we want to be at peace and live at peace with all people as much as in our power to do so. But we do understand that Jesus Christ is a stumbling block. That he is a stumbling block. And the gospel rightly proclaimed is an offense. Sometimes I wish it wasn't. I don't want to preach to offend. I want people to like me as much as they like Joel Osteen. I want to be your neighborly preacher too. But when you faithfully preach the cross, when you faithfully lift up Christ, then there is going to be an offense. There is going to be a stumbling block. And if you are going to be faithful in God's house, beloved, then we're going to have to preach Christ. We're going to have to preach Him crucified. And it is folly to those who are perishing, but as the Bible says, to those who are being saved, to those who are chosen, to those who are being built up in Christ, that message, that gospel, that Christ, that cross is the power of God for us. It is our hope. It is our strength. It is the source of our confidence. It is the foundation of our esteem. Therefore, I can say to you this morning, with all sincerity, I wish I could just grab you all and put you on my knee and say, you is chosen by God in Christ. You is being built up in Christ. You is ever established in Christ. You is 